Alright, good morning family. This is actually my first service in the Bronx ever. Uh, so, so welcome, welcome to me. Uh, I want to thank uh, uh, Maurice for uh, for trusting me with with the, the the service today. Also for babysitting Charles for these past couple months. Thank you for taking care of Charles. Um, and I know the women got a chance to hear from my amazing mom a couple weeks ago. Um, so she is incredible. Um, and my, I mean, my beautiful wife and our two boys are here. Uh, and we're just happy to be here. Um, we're, we're, we're very grateful for the, the, the Bronx ministry. I'm so grateful for James and Nena, um, who have been a pillar of, 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 of just like a, a spiritual example in my entire life. Um, so thank you guys so much. Uh, for your example and your children who are now friends of my children, which is so trippy if you think about our me. If you think about me, the fact that I have kids that are kid friends with your kids is mind-blowing even even to me. And there's a lot of Harlem people here, so yeah, you can move, but you know, it's normal, just, you know, Harlem. Uh, yeah, so let's Let's get into this. Um, a couple of mornings ago, uh, we were woken up to the sweet aroma of roasted turkey, honey ham, stuffing, pumpkin pie, cornbreads, various mac and cheeses. I don't know what, what vegans wake up to, like lettuce, water, ice, and Cheerios. But for a lot of us, this past Thursday, probably rolling into Friday, literally rolling into Friday, was a time of, of, of celebrating uh, lots of food and family and, and, and time together. Um, 8.1 billion calories were consumed on Thursday. Yes, yes. Clap it up for the calories. 8.1 billion calories, 46 million turkeys were prepared, over half a billion dollars were spent on lunch and dinner this past uh, Thursday. There was also 20 million dollars in damages caused by fires uh, from the from cooking debacles that, that happened. Um, and if you travel back, actually, uh, in 1953, a Swanson employee accidentally ordered way too many turkeys, uh, 260 tons too many, actually. Uh, the, and the boss was just like, well, I'll just slice it up and put it in a thing with frozen mashed potatoes and, and peas, and that's how the TV dinner was invented, um, because someone blew it uh, with their turkey uh, order like 50-some years ago. Uh, but built into the name, Thanksgiving, giving thanks, we're told as a family, as, as we're, we're going to be thankful for these 24 hours, and then we're going to shop like the world's about to end the very next day. Uh, there were people lined up for hours, there were stampedes, people got hurt. Because the calendar said, go shop aggressively. And then in less than a month, the calendar's going to tell us, or ask us, well, what did you buy someone? What did you receive as a gift? And then before you know it, it's the beginning of 2020, and we're told by the calendar to examine what you didn't like about 2019, so you can change it going forward. I love the holidays, but I also need to be very careful that I don't let a financially driven calendar 
dictate my level of gratitude. First uh, Thessalonians 5.16 says, Pray, rejoice, and give thanks in all circumstances. As Christians, as God's chosen people, as a royal priesthood, as a holy nation, and our ultimate citizenship being the kingdom of heaven, as God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light after receiving his mercy, we do not need a calendar to remind us to be grateful. Our gratitude is not a response to the environment. It is a daily decision because of an understanding of who God is and who we can be because of Him. Today we're going to talk about gratitude and trusting God's timing. Let's turn your Bibles to Luke 17. That'll be our main text for the day. Gratitude and trusting God's timing. Luke 17, we're going to read from verse 11. Luke 17.11 says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into the village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourself to the priests. Uh, and as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then, then he said to them, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Ten men with leprosy. Leprosy is a skin ailment with devastating consequences on the affected person. Uh, medically, you would see white sores start to cover the entire body. They would scab and peel and bleed and eat around the, 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 the flesh around it. Bones would rot from the inside and you would live in constant pain. Um, fingers and appendages would, would fall off your ear. You would start to essentially like look like you were uh, uh, like becoming a mummy as while, while you were uh, still alive. It had a horrible condition and it was extremely contagious. And because of that, you would have to be isolated, li- literally removed um, from your regular life and family and placed in quarantine communes filled with other people with leprosy so you can see what's going to happen to you down the line. And that's where you would end up dying. If you, were, if you were to venture out to the border of your leper town or even dared to push into the neighboring, uh, the neighboring cities, you would have to wear a bell around your neck like cattle so people could hear that you were coming before you got there so they could avoid you. And on top of all of this, you were told that God wanted nothing to do with you. This is a life of complete isolation, pain, and multiple reminders that you have no chance of getting better. These lepers stood at a distance from Jesus because they had been programmed to not be, get, get close to people. They, they knew that, I, well, he doesn't have leprosy. That's Jesus, actually. We've heard about him. So we're going to call from way back here because we're not allowed to get closer than this. Take a look at a, a, a Leviticus 13 for, for context here. Charles, Leviticus is the back end of the Bible. Like, go towards the New Testament, the Old Testament. Leviticus is like a table of context and behind Leviticus. Just for Charles. Leviticus 13 and verse 1 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot on the skin um, that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the sons who is a priest. The priest is to examine the sore on the skin, and if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be more than skin deep, it is a defiling skin disease. 
When the priest examines the person, he shall proclaim, he shall, uh, sorry, uh, pronounce them ceremonially un- unclean. And we jump to verse 45 for that same text. Because anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover, uh, cover the lower part of their face, face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, uh, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. So, when you see them, they'll be wearing a bell that, sep- that, that makes it clear. But just in case, yell so that everyone knows that the people with leprosy are, are on the way. It's a comp- the, the, the life that these guys are living is a miserable, miserable existence. And notice in verse 14 in, 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 uh, in, in Luke 17, Jesus never promised healing. They say, have pity on us. And then he sends them to the priest, which wasn't a unique Jesus trick. It was actually just leprosy protocol. Leviticus 13 teaches us that this is what you're supposed to do. You get sent to the priest. um, And that was always the plan. So these ten had probably already done that. They had probably already at some point been sent to the priest. The priest examined them. And the priest said, hey, this is not just a rash. You have leprosy. You're going to have to live in this commune. I'm, I'm going forward. Um, so they had done this before. So imagine being one of those ten, having already done this, already got bad news before, and now this Jesus guy saying, no, no, go back to the priest. Go do the exact same thing that you did before and had failed results. Definition of insanity is, uh, what, 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 what do they say? That, that's actually never been the definition of insanity. Uh, Insanity is a state of mental illness by definition, or extreme foolishness or irrationality. If we are repeating the same action, void of Jesus, expecting a Jesus outcome, you're not insane, you're just in sin still. It's not insanity, it's just in sin. If we do behaviors over and over and over again that are void of Christ, void of God's instruction, void of God's word, and we're expecting and hoping somehow that God will magically come back in on the back end. It's not insanity. It's just sin. These guys were doing the same thing over and over again. Jesus then said, no, no, no. Now listen to me. Go do the exact same thing again. And the presence of Jesus turned that from a futile action to all of a sudden, what was going to heal them? If you, uh, I think, sometimes Jesus actually would require us to do the same thing over and over again with no immediate results. And that actually be part of the plan. Like the plan is repetition without immediate like resolve. Because that's just how Jesus w- w- wants it to be done. And, um, in 2 Kings 5, Naaman is told to dip himself in the Jordan seven times to be healed of his leprosy. He's only healed after the seventh dip. You have to trust God's timing and repeat the same action over and over again. In Joshua 6, it takes a week and 13 rotations around Jericho for the walls to fall. And in fact, the the Israelites were able to climb into Jericho on the bricks. The bricks made a ramp for them to climb into the city. And that same wall that was supposed to be this impenetrable wall walked around it 13 times. And on the 13th time, watch God work. They had to trust God's timing and do the same thing over and over and over again. In Matthew 28, Jesus was in the garden and has to pray three separate times. This is Jesus to get his heart right. His heart wasn't corrected after the first prayer. He had to keep praying and praying and praying. He had to trust God's timing so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for us. I think sometimes we give up way too easy. 
and way too early. And we become self-reliant and stubborn to God's instruction because it didn't happen at the time that we wanted it to happen. And now because we've created this idea of what God promised, and it doesn't come through when we want it, we're now self-justified to no longer follow Him. Because it didn't happen when we, when, when we decided that it should happen. It's not trusting God's timing. And God forbid other people succeed. If other people get, get prayers uh, answered, and we've been waiting for a long time, it doesn't happen when we wanted to, all of a sudden, God, what, what, where are you? What, what, have, have you not seen my work? Have you not seen how long I've been doing this? I've been here for a long time, God. Where is my blessing? Where is my this? Where is my, how come I don't have one of those? Where is my moment? Where is my time? When is it going to be my turn? Where is my moment? There's a website, a dating website, called Ashley Madison. Ashley Madison is a dating website that you're only allowed to go on if you are married and you want to cheat on your spouse. Hmm? This is real. 57 million active users are currently on this website. It's a cheating website. Their tagline is actually, life is short, have an affair. 57 million users. And they're not hidden. They're not like some like hidden... In the, like they, they've had commercials on TV. They have billboards. You, just, you have to kind of know what they're advertising. But this is an out there, fully functional, operating dating website. A couple years ago, hackers broke into the mainframe and released all the information of every member on this site. First name, last name, photo, address of every single person on this site. So, Ashley Madison, as a, as a corporate entity, decided that we have to kind of rebrand ourselves here because we're in a lot of trouble. So they changed their tagline from life is short, have an affair, to life is short, find your moment. You know, you're not fooling me, Ashley. Um, I know exactly what you're selling here. This find your moment thing is actually, you're, you, you just want me to cheat on my spouse. You want me to be unfaithful. And as, as shocked as that seems, breaking God's plan to expedite our self-perceived uh, 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 blessings is unfaithful and, and, in, and infidelity to God's plan for our lives. We are cheating on God when we try and break through his plans and make something happen faster so we can get what we want right now. It's just unfaithfulness. It's infidelity. It's cheating. When God says, I have a plan that requires you to wait, and we say, no, no, it's okay. I'm going to make this happen myself. Maybe that, if that, if, if that, if that, if that doesn't work, um, when I was in Nigeria, when I was living in Nigeria many, many years ago, we had a costume party at our, at our school. The entire school was going to be part of, the, part of this costume party, and I was going to win the competition attached to this costume party. Um, I, I went home, like, Mom, listen, there's a costume, there's a costume party at the school tomorrow. Um, I'm going to need you to make me a costume. Uh, in fact, I'm going to need you to make me Batman specifically, because that's kind of who I want to be at this costume party. And my mom is a magician at making things happen out of nothing, whether it's food or, or food or food. Like she can take, she can take like what seems like nothing and make this like meal out of it. So she kind of put that same ability into this. And she made, like, I became Batman. We just closed around the house. Like, we, we had, she made me the mask, the belt. I had the underwear on the outside as well. Like, it was, I was, 
I was Batman. I was going to win this costume competition. So we get to the school, my dad drops me off, and I'm like, this is my moment. This is where I separate myself from the rest of these non-costume children as the guy. So I get there, and I'm like, oh, this guy forgot his costume. Like, now I have an even better chance of winning. But then so did that guy, and that girl, and everyone. Oh, maybe it wasn't today. Maybe it's not today. And I look back, and my dad drives away. And there I am, Batman, at the time that wasn't supposed to be Batman. I was like two weeks early for this thing. Um, and I went to the principal's office crying, like, I can't, I can't be Batman for the whole day. And like, so the principal said, well, you can either wear that without the mask, obviously, um, or we could put you in this janitor's outfit that we have, like, extra. And I, I, I chose the janitor's outfit. So as, a, as an eight-year-old little boy, I did a full day of school, half Batman, half custodian. Because I got the timing wrong. When we try and like make things happen, not only is it unfaithful to God's plan, but I looked ridiculous. I looked like an absolute fool. Because I didn't understand how the time was supposed to work. I was so excited about something that I completely like didn't read the instructions that, hey, it's not tomorrow, Stephen, it's in two weeks. And I looked ridiculous. Noticeably ridiculous. Everybody saw that I was in the wrong. Because I didn't get the timing right. Let's try it. Maybe that didn't do it. Now we're going to do an experiment right now. Don't cheat, Charles. <laughs> don't cheat, please. So don't look at your... Uh, there's no timer. Okay. Great. Don't look at your phones or any clock. I'm going to start a one-minute timer. When you think a minute has happened, just put your hand up. Just, we're going to test everyone's timing here, okay? I'm going to count down from five, from 11, and then start the timer. I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to start counting, but just you know, trust that I'm going to do it, all right? And when you think it's been a minute, put your hand up. It's very simple. 60 seconds. When you think 60 seconds has happened, just raise your hand. The Jeopardy news will be nice here, right? We have that Jeopardy. All right, see some hands up. Their hands are up, guys. That might mean something. Okay. Some more hands going up. It's very simple. You just count the 60s. It's a very, like, less than a traffic light stop. It's like a third of a song nowadays. Lots of hands. I don't know how I'm start making moves without the rest of you guys. Let's see, lots of hands. Pretty much everyone. Charles is looking at his watch, obviously. Okay. I let it run six seconds, six seconds over. There was two people that got it right. Two people. Hey, congratulations, it was actually on this end. So wherever, I saw hands here, so just take credit if you're on this side. But that's a whole other hundred-some people 
that couldn't get a, like a simple 60-second timing thing right. Because here's the thing. We're not great at understanding this timing stuff. So either we're going to be unfaithful to God's plan, look ridiculous, or just sometimes just be wrong. Just not, not really get it. Trusting God's timing allows for miracles to happen. Miracles to happen when we trust God's timing. And I'll also say that patience doesn't equate to waiting. Patience is an attitude that you decide to carry in times when you have to wait. It's not the same thing. That's why we say you're waiting patiently. Rather than, that's not, a, that's not redundant. You're, you're, you're qualifying how you wait. Because I think, because you can, you can wait impatiently for something and miss the fact that God put it there already. But we're so, we're like angsty about it. It's, it's always been here. It's been, or you, either you miss it or you jump at it too quick. And we, we, we chalk it down as God, I've been waiting. But sure, but God, but patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Waiting is not. Waiting, waiting is not a, a spiritual attribute. Patience is. Everyone's going to have to wait, whether you believe in God or not. Like waiting just kind of happens in life. But patience is what the Spirit draws you towards if you're living by the Spirit. The trusting God's timing provides miracles but requires patience, which logically makes sense when we've proven ourselves over and over again that we're not great at understanding timing. We're not great at understanding when things should happen. But God, saying God is good at that is an undersell. God just is that. God is these things. If we just follow Him and wait for Him, it makes sense. And Luke 17, 14, is if one came back of these ten who had had to wait for a long time, who had lots of hardship, lots of, lots of disappointment, lots of physical pain, lots of health issues, and the, the, man, there's something about health that just like it, 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 it can it can mess you up. It can it can absolutely make you rethink how you think about everything when you have to go through extended periods of not being physically well. And these ten did that, and one comes back to show how grateful he was. Now, scientifically, um, gratitude actually rewires our brains. Gives you better sleep, higher self-esteem, reduced depression, reduced blood pressure, better cognition and memory. There's health benefits, real-life measurable, go to the doctor and check it, health benefits from being grateful. So this guy was miraculously healed by Jesus, and then the gratitude further healed him, because he showed gratitude. One came back, and it's noted that he was a Samaritan. Uh, which means he, you know, he was half Jew and half Gentile. And I used to think that that just kind of meant like in the moment you had a Jewish person and a Gentile person kind of uh, come together and have these kids. But it actually went back further than that. Um, in the, when, uh, when Assyria uh, captured the northern, the northern Israelite kingdom um, many years before this, some Israelites stayed behind to pretty much say like, yeah, I know that they captured us and they're kicking us out, but we're actually going to be okay with staying here and like intermarrying and kind of taking on their customs. So for it was generations of, of Jewish people looking at these, um, uh, the, the Israelites that stayed back and had children with the Assyrians as sellouts. Like, like uh, when, when we all left to kind of like to, to make things work somewhere else, 
you guys stayed, you took on their gods, their practices, uh, their cultures, their customs. So it's pretty, like, it's, it's an intense, it's a violent hate towards this group. So this Samaritan man actually didn't need leprosy to understand isolation. His whole life, we don't, we don't know when he got sick, but his whole life he would have been told, well, because you're a Samaritan, you have to be separated. We don't like you. You're, you're like, you, you don't fit in here. God doesn't want anything to do with you. And then he got leprosy. We're talking about a very, very rough, rough situation for this guy. And he was the one that came back to say thank you. When you've been around for a very long time, it's very easy to become less grateful because great has become normal. So now anything not incredible is like, oh, I don't like how they did that. I don't like, I don't like what this is looking like. I, I have better ideas that we could implement here that actually make this better. Remember how grateful you used to be for this church? Like when it just like, like it, 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 you couldn't understand how people could not be grateful. Remember how grateful you used to be for sound doctrine? Like the moment you, like, wait a minute, the Bible is taught correctly? If, if, if you know where I came from and what I experienced, and now I'm, I'm coming to a place where the Bible is actually not being used to, to manipulate me, but now I'm, I'm learning what God actually thinks and wants for our lives, and there's genuine care and concern for my spiritual well-being, that gratitude that completely shook your life up, if it's still here, we all need to learn from you. But if it's not, I think we have to backtrack a little bit and remember that, that, that time in our lives when our mind was blown at what God put in our neighborhood or God put in our, our co-worker's neighborhood or our, our family's neighborhood and now we have access to the correct teaching of God's perfect instruction. Because if we're not careful, that gratitude will expire in the fridge somewhere and we will end up complaining about God's church. About God's church. About the leaders and the songs and the location and the plan and the Bible talk groups and whatever new thing that Maurice throws at you guys. Like, I don't like that idea. <laughs> now, let me, let me say, let me say that we're not supposed to blindly just follow whatever you're told. That's going to get us in a lot of trouble. But, the, and, and, and the church needs our uniqueness. The church needs our ideas and our vision and our, our specific gifts for it to go great. But closet complaints won't fix anything. Not even the closet. The closet doesn't even get fixed if we complain in the closet. We have to be, we have to just remember. Remember when you were the most grateful. And if at any point it's gotten lower, just go back to that. If you, if you know that you're capable of living a life that's grateful for this church, because you did it at one point, just go back to that. We need to be grateful for our spouses. I am so... I am, the, the, fa- the details, of like the actual real life, you, if you watch the, the Hallmark movie of this, I don't go to heaven if it's not for Hannah. I don't. 
I was in a very, very, very dark place a little bit before she decided to give me a chance at a romantic relationship. I don't know who advised her that was a good idea. <laughs> but the, Hannah taught me fidelity to God's plan. Hannah taught me the, the, uh, the importance of communication. And not just to, like, about your feelings and, and like, stuff that I had like, buried inside for years. Hannah, Hannah's example showed me that I, I can actually talk about this stuff. Um, Hannah showed me patience and, and looking past people's flaws in a way that I got to experience part of God's character in this woman. And now I'm, I'm here. So, so I, I, not just as one of those married guys statements on my wife's you know, help me get to heaven. She actually took me out of a place that I was not going to make it. And now I'm here. So, I, so my, any, at any point, if I start to feel, or if, if Hannah starts to go, like, I'm not being grateful for her, I, I have actually, a, like, there's a list, there's a checklist of what I can go, I, well, I, I, I need to be grateful. I can't logically justify lack of gratitude because I, I understand where I would be without her. So I have to, have to be grateful. We have to be grateful for our children. <laughs> so I, I, I've got, I've got two. That's, a, that's probably it. Two good. Um, just this morning, trying to get ready to, you know, we're going to be in a different location. Like, I got the whole waterworks from our youngest. Like, I had just gotten ready to go, and I chose a weird angle to change his diaper and paid for it immediately. Um, and you can, like, I guess, you know, parents, you know, like, like when, when something just kind of, the first reaction is like, like, oh, like frustration and anger. But children are a blessing from God. More, more than they are a biological process, more than just the biology of it. Actually, God handcrafting a life and putting it in your family. Biology is secondary to the fact that God created something and gave it to you. We got to be grateful for our kids. And you might think, well, you don't know my kids. I probably don't, but I know your God. I know who your God is. And because of that, we, there's no logical justification to be ungrateful for our kids. You, and if, if, you're in a, if, if you're unmarried without, you know, uh, without children, I think you've got to be grateful for, for, your, for your singlehood as well. Let me, let me say, actually like kind of like backtracking to the, uh, to the marriage, if we don't do a better job at, be, at being obviously grateful for our spouse, it's going to perpetuate this fear in the singles looking at us that I promise you exists. Some, 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 some unmarried people in our church are petrified of marriage because of what they see that I promise you can be fixed with an increasing gratitude. If we're more grateful for our spouses and behave that way, it won't be as scary to look and say, I don't know if I want that. I'm not sure that's what I want. And it, the solution is just be grateful. Be grateful and treat the spouse and that gratitude. And I promise you, it'll be less scary for some singles that actually genuinely are panicked about what they sometimes... And, and they don't, of course, you don't know the full story. If you, you see what you see on Sundays, I understand. 
But we, I think there's a responsibility there to be that, 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 that hope and that example when the world is tanking in this area, that we, we could be a, a safe place here. Now, being single spiritually doesn't mean you are isolated. I think that's, this is where the, the dating culture in the world is kind of throwing things off a little bit. It, 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 it identifies that you're lacking something if you're single. All that means that you're just you're single-minded. You, have, you, you can have your mind only focused on God's plan and God's will. You don't have to worry about another person. That's not that's not a drawback, or, or, or you don't have something, or like you're, you're missing anything. It's actually like it's it's empowering. It's you know, that like all I have to do is single-mindedly focus on God. That's it. As a married person, that's actually not like there's more there's more things we have to, we have to focus on, and that's okay. Both of those are blessings, but one, but, the, but the being single doesn't mean you're missing anything. You just have to focus on what God has already given you. And that's where you can find gratitude. So you're not looking for a spouse to, to be the cure for your singlehood. There's no cure for singlehood. It in itself is, is, is the victory. It, it, it is, it is the, the, the treasure, the, the, the present, the gift. And if we don't think about it that way, it can almost seem like it's logically... Uh, like it's logically justified to not be grateful, but the thing that we've created isn't actually what God desired for singleness to be. We gotta be—I uh, mean, goodness—grateful for our parents. Please be grateful for your parents. I—I am—I'm in a very rare situation where, and I, I, I acknowledging that for, on, on the front end, because I know it has nothing to do with me. But my relationship with with, with my dad, um, like prior to his passing, was like—I mean. As close to perfect as you can get. Like some, I, I think it was maybe, maybe uh, you know when, when I gave him grandkids and kind of was kind of like the stamp of like good job as a Nigerian dad. It's like oh, not, oh you, you did good. Um, I don't I don't know what happened, but we were very very close, and I am so grateful for that. Like I have no regrets at all. No regrets about the um, like the, the back half of, of his life at all. We really had the, like. That kind of relationship. So I, logically, it's just crazy for me to be ungrateful for my. And then my mom. My mom is amazing. She's incredible. And they're and both these people are flawed humans. With and I, I can I can equally share where they've dropped the ball. But I'm so grateful for the for their consistency and their faith and just their love for me. Even through, I give them many reasons to not love me. Many many reasons to not love me. And they chose to love me. And I think, and I know I'm also in a rare, blessed situation to have parents that are, that are part of God's kingdom. But that's not the only time that we have to be grateful for parents. Even, even our parents that, that, that don't get it, they, they, they're why you're here. That's, and if, if, that's, if that's all, that's a lot. If that's, if that's all they did, that is a lot that they've given already. I'd be grateful for our jobs, for our health, for, for, for the tech team that makes service possible, for the ushers and the singers and the building. There's so much for us to be grateful for if we just start looking for things to be grateful for. The people that study the Bible with you, however long ago it was, however, like maybe it was just the other week, someone sat down for free and explained God's plan of salvation to you through all of your craziness, and now you're here? One came back, 
one, ten percent in in business, in sports. There's no situation where ten percent return is a good thing. That's a, that's a bad. You, you invested in ten, and one came back. Jesus, I think this is an, an interesting kind of a. Um, view at his humanity. It seems like he's genuinely surprised. Like, what? I'm pretty sure I counted ten. It was more than one, I know that. Why is only one coming back? And I think that surprise and disappointment stems from the fact that he had so much more in store for them than just fixing their illness. He had so much more that he wanted to give these guys. Like the, the, the healing was just kind of like, yeah, sure. I'll, you know, just listen to what I said. Do that same thing over and over again like you've done before. I'll take care of, the, of your skin, but then come back and I have something for you that is going to make this physical healing thing seem like nothing happened. He had so much in store for these guys and one came back. Nine had a skin disease removed, and one of them was healed. One of them found salvation in this relationship with Jesus. And let me say, you can, you can follow Christ's instruction as a robot. Get some of the benefits attached to that. Like You, you will be in the church. You will get accountability. You, you will get friends. You will get a support system. Great. You can get all those healing things and miss salvation if you don't come back to Jesus. If you're coming back just to the thing and missing the Savior, sure, it's, it's, it's a free trial of something that will expire and you don't get the benefits of the full package like these nine missed out on. I know that this is a time of the year where it's very much... it's. We're told to be grateful. It's also very easy to be overwhelmed with what we don't have. With, with I mean, it, it, I think that the holidays kind of falling at this kind of climate and just kind of where the world is at right now, things are going to get darker, actually, like visually very soon. It's very easy to kind of get sucked in to what we're lacking. One came back. It's Thanksgiving season, holiday season. I think as a as a church, as a family of God's people, I think we all gotta come back to Jesus, even if it's just for a reminder. Just like let me let me just recall what what He's given me and just come back and say thank you to God for what He's done. It will not it will not make the problems go away. It may not fix that relationship. It might not give you a promotion. It might not do any of these skin healing things. But it might bring you salvation. To come back to God. Again, First Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice, pray, and be grateful no matter what. we got to trust God's timing. Even if the trusting God's timing gets you to just heaven. If you have to wait until heaven, then you get heaven. If, if, if that issue doesn't get better until heaven's gates, then you get heaven's gates. If all the problems don't get fixed until you get to see God's face, well, then you get to see God's face. 
So we can just hang in there. Hang in there. And, you know, God isn't limited to calendars and our holidays and stuff. It's not like he's going to take a break and then come back again in January. Like, he's, he's here. He just is constantly working. He doesn't come through. He just kind of is through all the time. He's there. So what, what, whatever it is that, that, that you need to do to come back and just say how grateful you are and then live in that gratitude, rejoice, pray, and be grateful no matter what as we trust God's timing together. And we collectively can be the one that came back. Amen. Thank you so much.